Here's an honest question. How are you supposed to know what to do with your money? Very few of us are exposed to meaningful advice on how to manage our finances. Even fewer have the means to get professional financial guidance. Betterment is a platform that was built to do something radical, to give accessible financial advice that puts you first. If you're like most Americans, your money is probably sitting in a savings account, likely earning you next to nothing. Maybe you have an investment account that you're not really sure what to do with. Betterment can help you make sense of what to do with your money. Investing involves risk, but you don't have to know the ins and the outs of the stock market to start investing for your future. Betterment's technology will put your money to work choosing the stocks and strategies that are right for you because we know you have other things to do. Betterment's platform can even provide guidance on what financial goals make sense for you. Give your money a new home with Betterment, peace of mind included. Download the Betterment app today. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-M-E-N-T. For the betterment of you. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Atheist Experience. I am your host, Russell Glasser, and with me today is my friend, John Iacoletti. Hello. Uh, today is Sunday, July 13th, 2014, and we're a live call-in public access atheist television show based in Austin and dedicated to promoting positive atheism and the separation of church and state. We're available through live streaming at Ustream.tv. The official Atheist Experience website is www.atheist.com experience.com you can provide feedback by commenting on the official show blog which has an open thread each week that's at freethoughtblogs.com slash axp and you can also email us at tv at atheist-community.org if you enjoyed this show please check out our related podcast the Nonprofits, currently airing on the first and third wednesdays of the month you can find links at the Atheist Experience website. The next nonprofits will be recorded on July 16, 2014. That is uh, three days from now. And I will not be on that show because I'll be on a plane to Seattle right at the same time. But uh, we've had, we've been training our, uh, a backup host, uh, Naomi Marmel, who will do a great job reading the news this week, I'm sure. She's awesome. She's pretty good, yeah. Uh, as always, the cast and crew of The Atheist Experience will be going to dinner afterwards at El Arroyo at 1624 West 5th Street and will arrive around 6 p.m. So uh, people in the Austin area are welcome to join us. We haven't said anything about as long as they don't preach, proselytize, provoke, or punch in a long time. <laughs> but, you know, that still applies. 
by default. Um, let's see. Uh, I got some special announcements going on. First of all, uh, for a general ACA announcement, uh, this year's Bat Cruise is going to take place on September 27th. Uh, I'm not going to say that people should come, but uh, it's a pretty cool event that happens every year. Um, and this year, before the Bat Cruise, we're going to be uh, receiving a talk from both Richard Carrier and uh, Chris Johnson. It's a double whammy, triple, including the Bat Cruise, so uh, that's going to be pretty fun. Uh, I've got some stuff going on in the next few weeks. Uh, tonight at 7 p.m., I'm going to be on a show on a podcast called Profit Cast. Uh, that's 7 p.m. Central, so. Uh, look, look that up on the web. Uh, it'll, it'll be recorded. Uh, uh, like I said, I'm going to be in Seattle next week, and my friends at the Ask an Atheist radio program are there, so I'm going to be joining them on their show July 20th. And a week after that, I'm going to be actually physically in Abilene, Texas, where I'll be presenting uh, a sort of Atheism 101 talk to possibly up to 140 Christians in the audience. Uh, so if you want to join and you happen to be in the Abilene audience uh, or in the Abilene area and you would like to balance out that audience, uh, I'll see you there. Uh, and that's all that I've got for today. Oh, except that uh, that's hosted by the uh, Abilene Atheist Alliance. It's happening at 1.30 on Saturday, July 26th at the Abilene Public Library Auditorium. Okay, that's all, seriously. Cool. How are you doing, John? I'm doing great. Just got back from vacation, and uh, we went to, we spent a few days in Salt Lake City, and that was interesting. I, I don't have, like, a topic, but I thought I'd say a few words about that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big Mormon town. That is a big Mormon town, and they have a huge temple downtown, which is beautiful architecture. And uh, we were visiting some relatives up there, and I've been to Salt Lake City several times. Um, I especially like the Family History Library because I'm I'm real into genealogy and family history. So that's that is just an amazing place to go re- research. So I'm, I'm grateful that that's available. Um, but. Uh, had never really kind of gone around Temple Square and seen the the different buildings, the old Mormon Tabernacle, and uh, we toured the uh, it's called the Beehive Beehive House, <laughs> which is where Brigham Young lived, and so we went on a little tour of that, and they kind of have it set up with period furniture and none of it's original, but they kind of showed you what it looked like and where Brigham Young worked, and uh, we were shown around by two nice young women missionaries. One was from Cambodia and one was from Thailand and they had really thick accents that were hard to understand but it seemed like most of the missionaries there were 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 foreign young people um, oh so we send missionaries over to other countries and then those other countries <laughs> send their missionaries right back to us yeah it seems like to it. preach in the godforsaken land of Salt Lake City right I guess <laughs> Great, but uh, it, it was it was just kind of interesting. My my wife grew up in Salt Lake, so she's she's been there many times. And we were touring the Brigham Young House, and and the, everywhere we looked, they present a real kind of generic Christian message. They don't really talk about Mormonism much, and that seems like that's something new. We were, we were touring the house, and they were saying, "Okay, this, here's where Brigham Young worked, and he lived here with his wife and kids." and uh, my wife kind of interrupted her and said, well, 
you know, where did his other wives live? <laughs> and she goes, oh, you heard about that. And, and she said, well, they, you know, he lived with his first wife here, and the other wives lived in, you know, next door in the, what they call the lion house. And I ran and looked it up on Wikipedia afterwards, and that's not quite true, but uh, basically that was kind of the quick answer. Uh, and she looked really uncomfortable. And then we walked around the visitor center, and uh, that's all real generic, too. They have, there's a whole section of the the North Visitor Center that has these big, like, four-by-six-foot paintings of scenes from the New Testament, and they have, you know, Jesus' birth, and they have the Sermon on the Mount, and they you go around in this circle, and they uh, they have the crucifixion, and, um, and the... Uh, the you know the empty tomb and the appearing before the the uh, disciples, and then at the end they have him ascending into heaven, and then right there there's a staircase that goes up to the second floor, and that's all painted up to be like stars and like a starry night. So the the idea is you're going up the stairs and you're ascending into heaven. And upstairs, it used to be years ago. My wife told me when you went upstairs, you got to see the Mormon stuff. So they, you know, they have Jesus appearing in the Americas and they have Joseph Smith finding the golden plates and none of that's there anymore. Hmm. It's, it's all Old Testament stuff now upstairs. So it's interesting. I, I remember, uh, during the last election, there was some question about whether, uh, fundamentalist Christians would make a big deal about being represented by Mitt Romney. And I think the way they resolved that was pretty much to sort of whitewash and avoid talking about any details of Mormonism and just have people sort of pleasantly nod and generically say, oh, yeah, that's just Christian. Yeah. So, that yeah, that makes sense that, that maybe that's when the change happened. But, uh, yeah, it's just it's all very kind of generic. Any Christian would come in and say, oh, yeah, that's, you know, I can relate to that. So right. I just thought that was interesting that they present that face to visitors um, when that's when there's a lot more to it than that. And I'm no I'm no expert on Mormon theology or anything, but uh, we. That's because you haven't watched the Book of Mormon musical. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That'll tell you all the details about Brigham Young. Some of them maybe not quite true. Okay. <laughs> I don't think his AIDS was cured by a magical frog. <laughs> that's what they say in the play, though. <laughs> that's yeah. That's <laughs> something I haven't had a chance to see yet. But uh, anyway, so that was that was my experience there. We uh, there's also something going on. In the Mormon, uh, in, uh, called uh, in the Mormon Church, called ordained women, and that's a big thing going on right now, where they're trying to get uh, the church to accept ordaining women. And uh, from what I understand, the leader of that group just got um, what's the word um, when you're kicked out of the excommunicated. church? Excommunicated. I couldn't think of the word. Uh, excommunicated for leading people astray. So. Um, that should be interesting. Yeah. We see if there, apparently there's a pretty big movement, and it might be something. Well, that you know, they have to I mean, with. Catholics have been having the same fight over ordaining women, and and I believe Baptists might might have undergone yet another split because of the women thing. Yeah. Uh, I think we sometimes talk about religion being dragged, kicking and screaming into the 21st century because you know they have to coexist with the actual people that make up their ranks now. Yeah, and they yeah so, they kind I mean, of change. That, that's change interesting with the times. that the Mormons are also going along with that sort of. Yeah, and I think they maybe more than than most, uh, maybe other than the Catholic Church, are, are going to be the last ones to kind of to give in on that. But we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. So, 
that's really all I had. When you all right. Now you didn't calls. get to go into the temple. No, no, they won't allow anyone in there. So, but there's so there's a whole temple square there with a lot of buildings, and you can walk around and kind of see the other buildings. But yeah, not the temple itself. All right. Well, that sounds um, fun. <laughs> Uh, all right, two callers. We've got uh, Andrew in Illinois. Hi, guys. I love the show. Thanks. Hey, Andrew. Um, so I was wondering, um, when people bring up the supernatural, it, it kind of confuses me because I don't know what they mean. Um, and what I was calling is to ask what your definition of the supernatural would be because, to me, if something exists in the universe, doesn't that have to make it natural? Uh, have you, I, I mean, we could come up with definitions for you, well, but sure. we're not the people who believe that stuff. So have you tried just when somebody tells you about supernatural things, just ask them what specifically they mean? Well, generally the sense I get is what they, they think that there's things that we can't know. Um, yeah, possibly. which means they can't know either, and yet they're talking about it pretty confidently as if they knew what they were talking about. Exactly. So, see, that's where I start to get confused, and see when God ties into that. Because God's supernatural, or you should be, if you're going to worship him, right? I mean... Um... I mean, allegedly supernatural is stuff that exists outside the natural universe, but then, uh, you know, dis discussions always come out up about if it's completely outside the supernatural universe, then how does it interact with or affect anything that is natural, so to speak? But, but you can't get any um, Christian to agree on the qualities of God. Well, you can't, and that's kind of a sign that they don't really know what they're talking about. You know what I mean? Right, and so that's why it's very hard for me to make any kind of even a jump from, if you're going to say that you got, so there's all the real uh, kind of reasoning we have to do about that, but then you say it's Christian. You've completely lost me. Right. Just like well, the position of atheism, of course, isn't one of... Uh, you know, isn't one of absolute certainty and saying, right. you know, the supernatural means this and this is what I, you know, and this is what I think about the supernatural. It's more based on uh, withholding belief in stuff until you have a good reason to think that it's actually true. Sure. And so um, and I, what, you, Sorry, go ahead. what you're free to say is, I don't understand what you mean by the supernatural, so I can't accept what you're saying about it, uh, you know, pending a more understandable statement about it. Could, could you then accept worship in the unknown? Because it's fair to say that there is unknown, right? So well, we don't know yet, but... Yeah, I mean, but when you don't know something, you don't know it. I mean, you don't attach sure. attributes to something just because it's something you don't know about. Right. So the closest I could come is worshiping the unknown universe, but I don't know what I'm worshiping. Right. Me neither. Yeah. Why? Well, why would you worship that? <laughs> oh, you know, humans like discovery. So, I mean, isn't that what life is about? Is creating things and making our own reality, and that's what humans do: is they make their own reality and they construct. Well, yeah, but you can. Well, they, can the un they can learn the unknown, too. It's a kind of pioneering thing that's seen as too. Eventually, maybe you can learn about it, but until you know about it, I don't understand why you would worship it. 
I guess it boils down to what you mean by worship, but I can see exploring yeah. the unknown, but worship kind of is... is Virtuality maybe would be a better uh, definition. Rather than worship, maybe a sense of spirituality about it. That, see, uh, spirituality is another one of those words that I don't really know what it means. And everybody who says that they are spiritual seems to use it in a different way that is just whatever they want it to mean. Yeah. Some people define worship as just to find worth in. And, okay, well, you can find worth in, I guess, exploring something you don't understand. But but then you're kind of getting way outside the bounds of what most people do when they're doing religion. So. Right. Yeah, and that's, see, that's as close as I can come to religion, because honestly, I look at some of these people, and they're genuinely believing that there's a God, that they're going to be saved, and they're going to see their loved ones again. And it, you know, it does make me jealous in the sense that if it were true, and in their eyes it is, it would be nice. But uh, I, I don't think that the unknown implies it at that time. But I think that there is a sense of wonder that they get in God as well or in their God. So I think that at least we can have wonder in the unknown. Yeah, but I don't think that atheists lack a sense of wonder. It's just, no, no, no. That, we, it's just that we try to be a little more pragmatic about it. I was just uh, looking up a quote from Douglas Adams recently, the author of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, who said, you know, isn't it enough to look at a garden and understand that it's beautiful without having to believe that there are fairies hiding in the bottom of it? Sure. And the fact that we exist is amazing as it is. And when Christians say, you know, you lose so much when you lose your faith. Well, I, I think that unless you have wonder in both what you don't know, but you just look around and, you, you know, exist to exist. Why do you need a purpose given by something? Right. Sure. I think we're willing to just say, I don't. if we don't know something, we just stop there and say, I don't know, rather than I do know and it's X, Y, Z. Right. We try to find out an answer, but we don't make up an answer just to remove our discomfort of not knowing things. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But, uh, just, you know, I, I am an atheist, but it's just there are things that we don't know, and my mom's done weird things uh, <laughs> that just seem spooky to me, like psychic edge, edge of psychic things that just I can't explain. And I know that's not where I'm going to have to leave it, is that I can't explain yeah, well, like like Matt always says when he's sitting in this chair, I want to believe in as many few as in as many true things and as few false things as possible, and that's why I remain skeptical of things that are unknown. Right. Okay. Well, thanks for uh, clearing that up for me. Some of those definitions, even though we didn't really get to define anything, that we kind okay. of see where we're at there. Thanks for calling. Cool. Thanks, Andrew. See Bye. ya. Uh, so next we have David in Hollister, is that Montana? Missouri. Missouri. No? Isn't that MI? <laughs> Where's Hollister, David? Yeah, it's Missouri. Hey. Oh, okay. How you you win. <laughs> How you doing? Hi. Pretty good. MI is Mississippi. Hey, I'm really warm here. MI is um, Michigan. Ah! <laughs> Yep. Oh. Okay, sorry, we digress. Anyway, what, what's on your mind today? Uh, I, well, I have a lot of things on my mind lately, but right now I'm actually excited to be on the show. I've tried to call, call on before, and it hasn't worked out too well. well we're excited to have you here. Glad, well, you, got, well, glad you got through. I, yeah, I watch you guys uh, quite often. Uh, I haven't kept up as I should, but I've been really busy lately working stuff. Um, anyways, I just, uh, I have a question for you guys as well as, um, I'll probably lead on to doing some, uh, 
commenting later on. Uh, but my question to you as you're pronounced atheist, right, um, is what has not yet, uh, what has convinced you otherwise of the existence of God, or the non-existence of God, should I say? Uh, you know, what, are, what is in your conscious, what has convinced you that there is no God? Uh, I, I don't believe in things without a good reason. And so, you know, like many other things that people say are real, like ghosts and UFOs and, and uh, you know, Bigfoot, you know, I look around and see what the evidence is presented for this God thing, and I haven't seen a lot in my life. And so, uh, you know, I take a position of skepticism and basically reserving judgment and saying, I do not see a reason to believe in God at this time. Okay, yeah, I can, uh, well, my roommate actually believes in ghosts, so. Okay, you know, well, I, I disagree I, with oh, your roommate, I, I too. Agree there. <laughs> I well, think, uh, I don't know, I don't think there's any ghosts in our room, hopefully not. Like, well, only if you go to an old building, you know, that's where the spirits hang out and stuff. Right. <laughs> but I'm definitely skeptical because, you know, I don't see these things. And as a Christian actor, I don't believe in ghosts. I believe in two spiritual dimensions. There's no in-between as in spirits, you know. You're either in heaven or hell, and you're either living as a human on the earth. That's well, I mean. also haven't really seen any evidence that would convince me of heaven or hell or a spiritual realm. Yeah. It doesn't mean yeah. I've ruled it out completely, but it does mean that right now I don't see a reason to go for that. Yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the distinction. Can... Sorry. That's the distinction we, that we make a lot is that you kind of started off saying what has convinced you there is no God, and it, that's not the position that that all atheists take. Atheists say, I'm not convinced based on the evidence that I've seen that there is one. That doesn't mean that I'm convinced there is not one. And that's something that we, this distinction that we have to make a lot because people don't always grasp that, that not believing in A is not the same as believing that A is impossible. Okay, so we still hold to the possibility of the probability that God is real. Well, without evidence, it's hard to, hard to make any statement at all. You just say, well, you know, until I right. see some evidence, I'm not going to take a stand yeah. on it. Yeah, probability is a thing that's hard to nail down until you have any kind of concrete facts that you can make a probability calculation on. And as far as yeah. God goes, nada. Yeah, I understand. Um, yeah, like I would need some pretty good evidence for my roommate to explain that there are ghosts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, it's about the same thing. Well, and, and like watching the movie Ghost might be seen as evidence for some people, but you know, I yeah, would well, just look yeah. at that and say, well, that's just a movie, which is kind of the same thing I would say about the Bible for the most part. All right, well, I would have to agree, disagree on that because okay. um, as I see the Bible, I'm one of those people that believes that the Bible is an inspired uh, word of God that was written through man. So there may be flaws, but it's not of God's doing, it's of man's doing. But I see the Bible, I see a, uh, a put together, uh, amount of books right. written by men over different periods of time. Yep. That's one thing that's very interesting because you look at the time periods of the Bible that is written, which I don't actually have the facts right now of, uh, what it was, but they were written over different periods of time. So, like some of the gospels, well, the gospels were written pretty much the same era, 
but like the Old Testament. More or less, within a few decades. Yeah, it was written in a quite a, a different expanse of time. But these it, men were all inspired by the same thing, which well, you know, they were also collected and put together uh, by by a council like several hundred years later. Like there were a lot yeah. of apocryphal books that could have been included in the Bible, but basically, a, mm -hmm. several groups over history went through and said, you know, we like this book, this other book's out of here. And so there are yeah. a lot of, there are a lot of different books that have been assembled like and book called of the Bible Enoch. now. Got rid of that one. It's too crazy with all the, uh, right. the demon possessed animals. Yeah, and, and yet that. for some reason they decided the Book of Revelations could stay, which <laughs> you know is yeah. pretty <laughs> trippy. It has a lot of imagery in it, that's for sure. And um, right, yeah. but, it, but it wasn't one cohesive whole until you know whole text. I think is what the point Russell is trying to make is. You can't say, well, this Bible fits together so well because it was it was made to fit together so well. Yeah, and even yeah. even the way they did put it together, I don't think it fits together all that well. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, yeah. there are As threads it, running through it that you can trace, but uh, but yeah. there are quite a lot of things that don't make sense when you put them together. True. Yeah, my, my view on that is that as an inspirational text that was read again and again to the people of the believers and the Israelites, uh, people would notice uh, quite a significant change. And to Christians and uh, uh, religious believers of, um, you know, the, let's see, the Israelites and, and those people like to agree with the Old Testament. There's only controversy, really, is the New Testament with, you know, and the Gospels and all that. Well, cause what do you mean agree? Do you mean <laughs> that it's definitely true that there were floods covering the entire world and talking snakes and uh, the Earth is 6,000 years old and stuff like that? Yeah, talking snakes, that's a crazy one. Uh, well, do you think that happened? Uh, I believe it happened, but not in that okay. context we believe in. Not like, you know, some actually physically, it's more like the snake probably talked to them in a conscious state, kind of like, you know. Okay, uh, so there... Some people do telepathy or something like that. So you... I mean, you say that you think the Bible is inspired, but not directly from God. But you, even the parts that are in there, you don't seem to take them all that seriously. Am I right? I, I mean, I, I when I read a book that said the serpent came up to them and he said, quote, blah, 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 <laughs> unquote... Yeah. You know, it, it, that's pretty straightforward that there was a talking snake. Uh, you know, if I was going to stretch it a point and say, well, maybe he was talking to them spiritually, it seems like at that point I'm just making up my own book that is sort of like the Bible and not really taking the Bible itself that seriously. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that's how you see it. Um, it's, it's kind okay. of like telling a story, really, of something that's real. If you look at... Uh, myth, myth in its mythology and all that. Mythology, yeah. Uh, people were telling stories that completely, I mean, unrealistic, you know. Absolutely, uh, and the Bible is right along with them. And, but yet, they related to something that inspired people in their real realm. They saw it amongst them. If you think the Greeks were one of the first great civilizations, they saw, wow, there's something great about us, about our intelligence, and about uh, how we're getting together in these new communities of people and different beliefs. And well, yeah, some of them. And, 
some of them some of them believed that the gods were big party animals who lived on a physical mountain somewhere and sometimes came down and got drunk and had sex with women yeah. uh, and, and, and had and, and had bastard half gods like hercules yeah. I don't, uh, I don't, I'm not saying it is real, you know, but. Right, well, I, I mean, you know, there's all kinds of myths, uh, and when historians look back at stuff and try to decide, uh, what's true and what's not, they tend to, uh, you know, give some more credit to big events that were recorded by many different sources and maybe discount the more superstitious stuff, like, let's say, Julius Caesar was a god in human form. People believe, yeah. historians believe that Julius Caesar existed, probably, but they don't believe that he was a god, even though the same text said both things. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. that that's what you'd find historians generally say about the Bible, where they don't take seriously, uh, or they don't have an opinion, academic historians don't, that, let's say, Jesus was the son of God, or cured people by touching them. Or anything like that. Oh yeah. Well, uh, it's interesting to see what historians say because I've had a lot of historians say that the biblical record is quite accurate. But uh, that's not no, really why I, I don't think you have. I really haven't called to talk, I, talk or argue about this. All right. Um, I, what I mainly wanted is uh, kind of your explanation, um, and I know. You all say that we have the burden of proof, but don't we all have the burden of proof? Because, um, you know, the, I think real knowledge, just like Confucius says, real knowledge is the, to know the extent of one's ignorance. Uh, all, all humans are uh, flawed in understanding ab mm -hmm. absolutely everything, and we can all agree on that, correct? But there's... I don't know about absolutely everything. I think we've made some pretty good headway into a lot of different topics. But I will agree that uh, there are a lot of things we still don't know. Yeah, uh, there's definitely a lot that we still don't know, so we can agree on that. But the burden uh, of the burden of proof rests on the person who's making the claim. So if you know, if, I, I wouldn't agree that we all have the burden of proof universally. It depends on yeah. on what you're claiming and what that's based on. And so, what would uh, you claim in yourself as? Like I asked in the beginning of this uh, talk, is what what has convinced you to claim that there is no God? There must be something. Uh, is it evolution? Is it you know something? What, that well, what convinced you not to believe in ghosts? What has convinced me not to? Oh yeah, um, here it is. I haven't seen. I haven't seen signs that point out that there are ghosts or natural phenomena that point that there possibly could be a ghost causing these things and then matching uh, the possibility with the supernatural Wait, phenomenon. So do you believe in ghosts or not? I do not. Okay. And believe why, in spirits? They're different. They're different okay, things. but why not? Just because the Bible says there are no ghosts? Uh, because he I have not seen, seen evidence. Them. Oh, oh. The Bible mentions spirits. It doesn't mention ghosts really. Okay. And so, that's, that's pretty much the same. We don't know. See, right. I, I that I'm ignorant. I may not know that they're actual ghosts. Or yeah, and ghosts. neither do we know that there isn't a God. It's just that we don't believe in something like that without good reason or evidence. Yes, yeah. and I wouldn't either. You see, I wouldn't believe in ghosts. I still don't. Okay, but <laughs> God. 
And if uh-huh. I showed you an episode of the Ghost Hunters and said, "Hey, look, these guys, you know, they they went around and they had these instruments that, you know, oh. <laughs> would, would that would, would that be enough to convince you that that you know somebody else said that they had evidence of a ghost? Would that be enough for you, or would you be skeptical no. of that claim? I would not accept it because the like in the Ghost Hunters, the natural things that or the things that they present as being a supernatural interference with the natural of the ghost. You know, the ghost is moving a door open or whatever. That's completely bogus because I've been in old houses before and there's air currents that cause, you know, doors to creak open. Uh, floors often in big buildings make these creak sounds. So Yeah, but you don't know for sure that there aren't any ghosts. You were just saying there are other things that could equally well explain it. That's not your first explanation. Right. Yeah, it wouldn't be my first explanation. But I convinced myself that there is God. Why? And is involved with this world, and he cares for humanity. Why? I, why I know what you believe. I want to know why you believe that. I believe because uh, not only have I, um, of course, you guys are going to be like, oh, no, oh, brother, but don't freak out. Yes, I have accepted him into my life as, as Jesus Christ and all that good stuff. Didn't you believe but in I, God before you accepted him? One of them would seem to be a necessary requirement of the other. I was sort of a skeptic. Uh, I was. Uh, I believe that there definitely could be a God. He was separate because I've seen a lot of hurt in my okay, life. Okay, so what changed your mind? What changed my mind was uh, the, the moment that I became uh, convinced or I, I gave my life to Christ, I had a willingness to try this thing out called Christianity. So and you decided to start believing in God, but you were never presented with any reason or evidence. You just said, decided, let me try yes. believing this, and then once you believed it, lo and behold, you believed it. Yes, I, I accepted okay. this Christ in my life, and after that point, I began to seek. It says, if you seek me, then you Okay. What did you find that maybe would be convincing to us? Uh, to you guys. Okay. Well, it may be not extremely convinced because you guys are going to give uh, probably okay. like uh, your own explanations and stuff. But what I see is I see a um, a comparison, so many comparisons between the Word of God and the natural uh, order of things uh, of nature. All right. And, I got a question it, for you. Yes. Which existed first, trees or the sun? Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to... If it's about Genesis, I really don't want to get into it. Okay, so you don't take Genesis seriously. We've already established that. I take it seriously in that it's in a... Okay, so when you say that the Bible somehow mysteriously matches up to things that we've actually learned about the real world, you don't mean the actual literal things that were written in the Bible, because when you read what's written in the Bible, trees trees were created by God and then the sun, which doesn't match up at all to what we know about the natural world. Mm -hmm. That's just a misunderstanding, I'm sure, Right, so we just think the Bible is one big misunderstanding. We don't see any reason to take it seriously or to look for contrived matches with science. There's just no point. No, it's your misunderstanding, not the, uh, not the word. Oh, the we word don't understand. Is, uh, when the Bible says God created trees on day two, three, what was it? And then <laughs> the sun on day four, 
we don't understand what it's saying? Yes, you don't understand. Okay.、Uh, you understand what you're saying. Yes, you understand. You, you see what the words are saying, but you don't. What do you call it? Read between the lines. You're not、uh, looking to deep, deep enough. So the Bible matches the real world as long as you make up your own version of the Bible that says what you want it to say. No, I'm opposed to that in all ways because that's actually. But you're、bad. doing it. <laughs> I'm doing it. How am I doing it? By ignoring the things that are actually written in the Bible and just saying that you have to reinterpret them so that they match what we know about science now. Yeah,、uh, it's just the way the Bible is written is it's different than modern texts and many scholars. Okay. Apparently, in modern texts, up means down. I mean, in in biblical world, up means down. I guess the the trouble I would have if if I considered the Bible to be inspired text,、um, I would really struggle with how to tell the difference between the stuff that's literally true and the stuff that's、um, that's myth and the stuff that you have to read between the lines. It's it's what basis do you have of looking at the at those things and deciding which is reliable information and which isn't. And、uh, I think at some point you have to rely on your own. Knowledge and your own instincts, and that's kind of、yeah. what we're doing too. We just don't try to fit the Bible into that. Yeah, I could、um, see that from your、um, point of view, and、uh, I can understand why、uh, atheists in general just really,、um, you know, how you read into the scriptures, and you're really like, "Wow, this hey, David, we've been talking、so、for like coming up on half an hour now, and I think we need to move on to other callers. But you are、okay. absolutely welcome to call back another week, okay? All right. Well, t- next time we call back,、uh, if I can,、uh, I could talk a little bit more about、uh, an author called John Lennox. I don't know if you've heard of him. Okay.、Uh, he gives pretty good、uh, evidence as well. well, and I haven't. Yeah, All right. Well, we'll talk about that next time, or maybe you and Matt will talk about it. Thanks for calling. Yeah, I'll talk to Matt. It's great talking to you guys. Yeah,、right. thanks. See you, David. I appreciate、yeah. the calm discussion too. Bye.、Uh, Valerie in、uh, Pennsylvania. Hello. Hi. Hi, Valerie. Hi.、Um, thanks for getting to me. I'm so nervous. This is my first time、oh, calling. Don't be nervous. Show, so. <laughs> We're just I, some idiots on TV. I listen to y'all all the time, and I wanted to call in. Well,、uh, thank you very much for calling. What's on your mind today? Well, I I am a Christian. Okay. I believe in Jesus, and I just wonder、um, what led you to be an atheist. Or both of you. I'm sorry, I don't know your names, but、uh, I'm Russell. Russell. He's Russell, and I'm John. Hi, Russell and John. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Valerie. <laughs> You want to go first? Sure.、Um, nothing really led me to become an atheist. I've, I've talked on previous shows that I wasn't raised in a religious family, so <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of a default atheist. I've never been a theist.、Um, a lot, most most people in our group, and probably atheists in general, deconverted from something else.、Uh, yeah, me too. I happen to be. We happen to be two of the people who were just、uh, raised in unbelieving families. My parents. Are both sort of nominally Jewish, but mainly unbelievers. Okay.、Uh, so、uh, I was never particularly raised to believe in God. Whereas、uh, the other regular host, Matt Dillahunty, if you've watched him, he was a Christian for like 
30-something years and uh, was thinking about becoming a minister at some point. So we come from all kinds of backgrounds. Okay. But we happen to be two of the people who just never were into the whole Christian thing. Yeah, so we didn't we didn't ever we didn't ever change our minds. We just never believed because we didn't really have a good reason to. Yeah, which is not to say I didn't go looking for reasons to change my mind. I mean, I've been to a number of churches. I've spent a lot of time listening to Christian radio and reading Christian theology, and I just never found any of it convincing enough to make the switch. I guess that's a bit where I am the other way because okay. I grew up in a Christian home. Um, my parents are ministers. And, you, you know, I have questions, and I have questions about the things that I, I believe I find that, that you folks have questions about. But I just, it seems sure. the more I, the more I read the Bible, and as I've gotten older, my beliefs have been strengthened. Okay. Well, here, here's a general outlook of what I would say I think about God. Um, there have always been, uh, there's always been sort of a appeal to the supernatural to kind of fill in the gaps of things we don't know. Uh, one of the examples that I like to bring up a lot is that a long time ago in ancient Egypt, they didn't know how come the sun rose and set all the time, right? So yeah. they decided that the story was that there was one among many gods named Ra who carried the sun across the sky in his barge every day and then went back to the west or to the east in a series of underground tunnels so that he could take his chariot up again. Um, you know, that, that was an explanation that they had at the time, but the more that we studied the reality of the way the sun moves relative to the earth, the more that just wasn't necessary anymore and didn't make any sense. You see what I'm saying? I definitely see what you're saying. Do you think, though, that maybe God has put eternity into our our hearts? I mean, no. why, why do we look for him in the... Fr oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> Uh, I don't know that we necessarily look for God specifically. Uh, it's just that in a lot of cases we are really uncomfortable with not knowing the answers to everything. And so we make up answers to uh, to feel satisfied that we are omniscient in, a, in some way of our own. Okay. That makes sense. I, um, I don't know. I feel like God has changed my life. I... I feel like he has given me experiences and insight that has made my life exponentially better. It's better than mine, you mean? No, better than mine previously. <laughs> but you said you were always a Christian. Oh, I grew up in a Christian home. I don't okay. know if I was always a Christian. All right. I well, wouldn't can, say that. <laughs> can you give me an example of one of these experiences? Or, I mean, you know, if you want to share it. I can certainly. Um, my mom was diagnosed with a blood disorder. Okay. And um, they, they called her and said, you have this blood disorder. And I heard God sort of say in my spirit, um, she doesn't have it. Not that she'll get healed, not that she'll get better, but she doesn't have it. Okay. It turned out the doctor made a mistake, and he called back and he said, you don't have this. Okay. Now, so that with is, or without God saying this thing to you, she wouldn't have had the blood disorder, right? 
the, the doctor made a mistake there. He did make a mistake there, yes. Okay. But why, why did I hear that? Because I'm, I tend to be a negative, you know, the glasses half empty person. Um, have you ever heard and, of, have you ever heard of something called confirmation bias? Um, no, sir. You, you should check it out because it's really interesting. It comes up a lot in psychology studies. Basically, okay. uh, when people have experiences that confirm the things that they already sort of believe, they tend to remember that and count it as a hit. Whereas okay. when they have experiences uh, that don't match the way the picture of the world that they already have in their heads, they tend to kind of like ignore it or make excuses about it or overlook it entirely. Uh, okay. And what I would say is that people throughout their lives have different feelings about the way things are going to turn out. Like, they may feel like, you know, oh, my team is totally going to win the baseball game. <laughs> oh, my stocks are going to go up. Uh, and when things turn out good for them, uh, they say things to themselves like, oh, that feeling I had was really, uh, you know, really accurate. I must have magical powers or I must have <laughs> God whispering in my ear. But sometimes you get a but feeling really like did hear him? my team is going to win the baseball game, and then you lose, and then you think, oh, I must have understood that feeling wrong. Well, I, I understand that. I could definitely right. see how that would, that would play out. Right. I, um, but, but I heard something that was not from me. Like, I don't want to say it was an audible voice, but... And and you talk about the Bible, where I overheard a little bit of the Bible conversation, okay. and um, I felt like God was talking to me and telling me passages from the Bible, and I read later that they were, in fact, passages of the Bible before I had ever read them. Okay. Hmm. So... Um. If you grew like up... I said, in... you, you don't know me, so you might no, not believe me. You're right. Uh, no, I'm not saying I don't believe you. I'm just saying that I don't know what experiences you've had or how you've adjusted your memories after the fact, which is also a thing people do. Okay. Yeah, it's hard, um, it's hard to say we weren't there. We can kind of guess what might be some explanations for what you experienced, but only, you know, you're the only one who experienced it. Right. Um, well, yes, that is true. But we kind of are going to look at it skeptically and say, okay, well, what's a what's a scientific way of possibility of explaining that? Um, you know, I guess my question to you would be, how did you know the the voice you heard was God? Uh, well, and and I asked, well, I, I questioned that myself, but I guess it's because. I mean, I heard I heard a quote from Richard Dawkins say something like, you know, if if you were a Buddhist or something, I don't know the exact quote, you would think that, you know, Buddha or whatever answered your prayer. Right. Yeah. That's your framework, in other words. But exactly. I guess my my reading of the Bible has sort of confirmed the Bible says certain things about God, and that has been shown in my life at least. And so that's kind of where I get the confirmation well, that I am. Let me ask you, um, have you explored a lot of other religions? I mean, as deeply as you've invested yourself in Christianity? Like, have you looked into, let's say, Islam or, uh, or Mormonism? 
uh, I have not looked story. into Islam. I have looked into Mormonism. Um, okay. I, I studied a lot of the Greek mythology and that right, type of yeah. thing. And I have looked into atheism. So I think I would imagine that when you looked into Mormonism, you saw a lot of claims and you felt skeptical about, let's say, the angel coming to Joseph and giving him a new book of the Bible on a bunch of golden plates, right? Well, I felt, <laughs> I felt skeptical, but I think the reason I felt skeptical was because... Um, the fruit of it or the outcome of it. I mean, I think Joseph Smith had several wives. I don't know if he treated them all sure, correctly. Although that doesn't make him wrong. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't no, make him but factually I think wrong. No, inspired by God probably wouldn't. Well, you think that because you're children. working in the framework of Christianity. There's kind of a cool way of approaching, you know, of wondering about your own religion. Uh, I think John Loftus was the guy who brought it up. Call, he called it the outsider test, which is like, if I were looking into my own religious beliefs and I weren't already, and if I were coming from it from the perspective of a different religion, would I find this convincing? So, like, if you approached Christianity the same way you approached Mormonism, would you find the Jesus Christ story or the or the Noah's flood story, let's say, as convincing as you do now? And how much of it is just you've been told that it's true? Well, I I suppose you are right about that. But isn't that the same with really any experience? I mean, I don't have kind children. Of. But, you know, but that's that's why it's... I don't know what a, it's like to have children. And I mean, is it any okay. experience you kind of have to live it to, to you believe don't, it? You don't really have to live everything to uh, to understand it. I mean, you may not have children, but, you know, you, you agree that children are real. You've, see, yes, you've seen them. <laughs> and I'm sure that you've talked to a lot of different parents and collected a lot of different experiences that that match up to some degree. Yes, yes. Um, so you can get some kind of consistent picture of what parenting is like, uh, whereas it always seemed to me that, that with religious experiences, everybody has this wildly diverse experience of what this God thing is based on their cultural background and their expectations. Do you think that's because people are different, though, and people have different needs and... And desires and fears and um, I would say that people having different needs and desires and fears don't affect objective things like let's say child development. Like for instance, okay. every child is born, you know, let's say between five and fifteen pounds, you know, give or take, uh, uh -huh. and you know, and and they're born from certain parts of the body and they're born through certain processes. And, you know, you can verify that over and over again and come up with a coherent and consistent picture of how childbirth and, and basic child development works that applies everywhere in the world, isn't subject to subjective uh, experiences. Okay. Whereas... Yeah, I do see what you're saying. Yeah. I do. Yeah, where, whereas with God, I'm just saying that, that everybody seems to see what they want to see. Well, I do, and that, I see what you mean, and I think sometimes people do sugarcoat the Bible. There, there are things in the Bible that are, that are very honest, and maybe one doesn't want to believe, but 
Well, like I said to the last guy, talking snakes. Now, see, I I do believe I believe that the Bible is essentially inerrant and completely true. So you do believe in the talking snake? I I actually do. The I, last guy did. You don't think I'm crazy? <laughs> no, I don't think you're crazy because I think that you've been reinforced by a lot of other people's opinions. I think you're mistaken, though. <laughs> There's a difference there. <laughs> Okay, why do you say that? Because there's, because I don't see a lot of talking snakes or indication that snakes have vocal cords, you know? <laughs> okay, I've never seen a talking snake, but, right. and I don't want to chase rabbit trails here, but did you hear the story about the lions in Ethiopia? What about them? In Ethiopia, girls were about 13 can get married, um, even if they don't want to. Okay. And there were these men chasing after this girl, and she had already been beaten and abused, and these lions hear her crying, and they actually form around her, and they chase the men away. Okay. They leave her alone completely unprotected till police officers or guards or whatever come, and they rescue the girl. Okay, that sounds to me like an urban legend. It is actually true. I have looked it up because I thought well, this is an urban legend. Okay. I mean, I saw it on the Animal Plan, and I thought, well, this is still an urban legend, and it has been documented. Now, okay. granted, they weren't talking, and there could be scientific. All right. So what that story comes down to is that the lions chased one guy and not another girl, which is not out of the realm of natural animal behavior. Yeah, it's different from talking snakes because snakes are <laughs> physically unable to talk. Lions are able to um, chase people off and even have some degree of empathy. I think we see that throughout the animal kingdom that they'll protect. Yeah, but I kind of doubt that's what was happening here. Yeah, I mean, I would I would like to see the details for sure, but um, at least well, it's something that seems... I don't know the... Uh, but I thought it was a fascinating story. Yeah. It's and, a cool story. And then it boils down to, okay, well, how do you explain it? And... Um, saying, well, it, it must, you know, it must be some kind of intervention from a supreme being. That I think would be a big leap. Um, but you know, what about dolphins leading people to to shore? Uh, I have heard I about mean, that happening. I'm not sure like to what extent the, those stories are also true. But I mean, that seems to. Uh, I don't know about those actually, but. If they do happen, they still happen in the realm of, of the natural, basically. Yeah, and it, and it all boils down to what we were talking before, your framework, what you're kind of predisposed to believe about the world, and, and, uh, you know, and, how, and how you explain things that you see. Well, I, I see your point there. I, I do agree with what, a lot of what you're saying. Okay. I just... Um, I don't know. My belief is very strong. I think a million people could tell me that is absolutely crazy, and I would still believe. Sure, but I think uh, for some of us, like, and I, I don't want to be rude here, but for some of us, the mark of intellectual honesty is being willing to uh, treat everything with, as open to doubt, including things that you really, really want to believe. And I, I guess that's where we're coming from is always being open to the possibility of making a mistake and so that leads us to work extra hard 
to try to weed out those mistakes in our own points of view? Well, that that is a noble thing to do, a noble journey, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, and not even necessarily mistakes, but Russell talked about confirmation bias and you know, and that's something we all do, whether you're skeptical or not. You have to always be on the lookout for that. You know, how many times has somebody drowned and dolphins didn't push them <laughs> to shore? You know, you, right. you, you remember the thing that's, that's kind of remarkable, but um, you're, you're not going to remember the stuff that you kind of expect to well, happen no, normally. that's very, and I've often thought that. Um, I, um... We're running out of time. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it ha I'm not kidding. It has been a delight to talk to you, and I look forward to hearing you maybe call back sometime. Oh, well, thank you. Have a good afternoon. All right. You, you too, too, Valerie. Appreciate Bye. the call. Bye. Okay, which one of these is going to be the quickest? Daniel. No. Daniel in Florida. What's up? Hey, how's that spoon going? Oh, you mean has it turned into a knife? Yep. Uh, well, Matt's got it. Uh, I haven't heard anything about it turning into a knife, so I'm going to assume no. All right. Not to our knowledge. Um, before I get to my question, since we're running low on time. You hey, should really that. get right to your question, because we're running really low on time. Okay. Um, because of the well, extraordinary claims take extraordinary evidence, the one about God has to be pretty darn extraordinary, even that it asks so much of well, every inch of somebody's life and dedication, to make that kind of leap would not the only thing that could justify going towards it be absolute certainty. Uh, you mean, do you have to be absolutely certain to be a theist? Well, no, to be an uh, atheist who's oh. going to convert, per se, would it not take absolute certainty for such a claim and have so much expected of you. Wait, I, I'm sorry. Are you saying do atheists need absolute certainty or do Christians? In, in order for an atheist to become a theist, be, okay. do you need absolute certainty? Is that what you're asking? Well, not need, but are they, is not the only way to be justified in making that leap absolute certainty? No. I think, uh, speaking for myself, some really solid evidence of, of some kind would be sufficient to move in the direction of Christian theology, but it would have to be really, really good. I know, but I, mean, I, I don't believe see how... there is such a thing as absolute certainty, so maybe yeah, that should answer your Yeah, question. I'm not sure it's even possible to have absolute certainty about anything. Well, it makes me wonder how, how it says how, in the Bible when it says um, that babies were torn out of stomachs and such. Even if a guy from the clouds came down and said, I'm God and I'm right, I'm right, look at me do magic tricks here and I'll go rip these babies out. It, I mean, it's still a level of trust and dedicating an entire life to it, would it be justified? Yeah, but I mean, at a certain point, you don't want to be pig-headed about the things you know. Otherwise, you're headed toward global warming deniers and 9-11 and truthers. Anyway, uh, we are out of time. Ah. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right. No so uh, call back another time, and thank you very much, John, for being on the show. Thank you, uh, I think you're really uh, moving up as a host. Uh, I appreciate your contributions. Oh, thank you. And uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. El Arroyo. <laughs>
Security threats are everywhere. But with Xfinity XFi, you're notified of threats to your in-home Wi-Fi network, so all your connected devices are protected. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit today. Restrictions apply. 